Hey, I'm Carlos Bustamante, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Carlos, I'm so happy that you took the time to come on this podcast. Uh, I know there's been times where it's like, oh, well, let's get Carlos on. It's like, well, I can't come on right now. He's a bit busy. I'm like, oh, man. And then, like, we finally got it settled. So I'm so thrilled that we actually got this settled. Yes, it is one of those things. It's it's a tricky thing, even though we're all more or less at home. Schedules yeah. still keep going. So it's difficult to get a lot of things, um, I don't know, to keep things organized. But I'm glad we could do this too, man. This is great. Take me back to the, the very beginning. When you were a fetus, tell me all about yes. when you were a fetus. <laughs> it, was, it was warm, wet, mostly. Yeah. But tell me, like, so where did you grow up to? And I'm just really interested in how did you get into dance? Because I heard that you enrolled when you were like eight years old. Yes. So I, um, wow. So I was born in the Philippines. I lived in Manila for, a, you know, a little while there. And then we moved to Canada when I was very young, like, three or four. So I lived in Vancouver and lived in Calgary. And by the time I was, I guess, in second grade, there was a dance school that opened up not too far from our house. As I recall, as I remember it, because it was a million years ago now, but my mom was <laughs> like, I'm going to sign up for dance classes. Does anybody want to come with me? And my brother said, no. And my sister said, no. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go. Like, I'll go with you. I didn't have anything else to do, really. I wasn't into anything other than like watching cartoons and playing video games. And then, um, she heard that there was a recital that you had to perform on stage. So she backed out, but I stayed. And that was how I started. That was it. Oh, really? Okay. Th tell me a little bit more about just the, the move from the Philippines to Canada. Like, was there a particular reason that you had, like, that your family up and moved? Why, and like, why Canada? Well, my dad had, he had opportunities to work in either Canada or uh, in Australia actually was the other was the other option because he had um he had connections like friends and family in Australia. I believe we chose Canada because my mom's parents moved here. Okay. And so we decided to stay with them for the first couple of years and yeah, that was it. And it's been great. I don't know I don't know any other lifestyle than the Canadian one that we've lived. So it's been uh it's been a good time. That that's fair. I mean yeah I was just always interested because like when you see acts that come from just a different part of the world or country and then they choose Canada and like I look at it from just even in the entertainment business. Now, I, I know when you're young, it's almost like you're not going to your parents as like a, an eight-year-old and be like, someday I'm going to be on ET Canada. Why are we here? Like, why can't we go to like the United States where I can be on like ABC right. News? It's it's just fascinating to me because I look at Canada as almost like you either go with ET Canada, YTV. You're very limited compared to sometimes in the States where it's like a wide open spectrum. But I guess when you're young, you're just kind of like, we're going to move here. All right. I'll make the best of it. <laughs> Yeah, I was three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's not much. There's not much input as a three-year-old. No, there really wasn't. It didn't have anything to do with that. It yeah. was like three. Do I know where my toes are? Yep, great. Yeah. We're in Canada. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It'd be funny. It'd me. be funny if you did. It'd be like, listen, we're all we're all on board going to Canada, but let's hear what Carlos has to say. My my chair turns around in my office. I'm smoking a cigar, and I'm like, listen, guys, I know about this Canada thing. Nah, yeah, yeah, dude, it was three. It's great. When you brought up about dance, and I, I said off the hop, I don't want to tease you too much about dance because I'm in bowling. But like when I read that or did a little bit of research, because I tell people this is like a Tinder date, but people show up. It's like, I don't know everything about you. I know right. the bare minimum enough to basically say, yeah, I'll go down that date with that person and then find out later. Sure. I was like, Whoa, 
It's a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. As the bowling back background, I grew up with people that liked hockey. It's Canada, right? It's like hockey, soccer, basketball. And then you're like, I'm in bowling. Like, yeah. okay, why? So I love when you bowling, say, by the way. Yeah. I'm, when I'm you were terrible at it, but like, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I, I love well, I, I was good. I was good at it, but no one cares. Like, it's almost like you go to school and you're like, I'm a really good bowler. They're like, all right, well, Shane over here has a hat trick in hockey. What'd you do? I'm like, well, I bowled a perfect game. They're like, okay. Did like, you bowl a perfect game? I, 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 when I was younger, I think I bowled one perfect game, at, at, if I can recall. Now, that's, that's, an, yeah. that, but that is an actual accomplishment. Like, that's amazing. Cause, like, I've never, I've never spent more than, like, I don't know. Like, we used to go to bowling alleys. There's a bowling alley in Burlington that we used to go to in high school. Right. The longest amount of time I ever spent in one was when we did like the 24 hour challenge to raise funds for charity. And okay. I lost my mind because it was like so much bowling and I couldn't move my arms for a week after. But like, I don't think I've ever scored above like 185 or something. Like, I'm a terrible bowler. Okay. Steve, so you're 185 when I was like 16 or, or like 16 to 18 when I decided to quit bowling. That was probably what your average was. That was my average of like, hey, this is what you have to get to like, you know, be on par with a team. It's like when you, when you go golfing and they're like, what's your score? Like that was pretty much my score is like, I had to make 185 as my average. <laughs> so by that standard, I mostly sucked. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't mean past tense. I still do. Yeah. Like that would be yeah. how I would score tomorrow yeah. if I was playing a game. Yeah. 100%. No, it's like during, during COVID Carlos was like, you know what? I have to get better at one thing right now, and I'm going to focus on my bowling. <laughs> right. Yeah. What you don't see behind the cameras, I built myself a small bowling alley in this room, with like yeah. a with a ramp that brings the ball back to me. It's all hydraulics and pulleys, yeah, yeah. pulley system, and I, yeah, it's a bit noisy for the neighbors, but I got to get that score up, man. Yeah. You you when you explain it to them, they'll understand. They're like, hey, I don't know what that noise is, and then you go over and like, listen, I'm a really bad bowler, just trying to improve my game. They're like, hey, at least he's trying. At least he's doing something. <laughs> yeah, everybody's everybody's like they've been working out or they've been learning how to cook. It's me. I built a bowling alley in my basement. <laughs> I mean, great. That's that's something that I want to see on like ET Canada. If that was if that was real, it'd be like Carlos during COVID built a bowling alley in his basement. I'd be like, get me on the phone with Carlos. I want to have a challenge right now. <laughs> That'd be the greatest thing. I would love um, to have a bowling alley. Carlos, I want to ask you. Of course, I know you from YTV mostly. Now, I have I have come with you to ET Canada, so I'm not just one of those people that are like whatever Thank happened you. to Carlos. Mm -hmm. uh, but YTV was, and I try to keep it clean, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go across that line. It was the shit when I was hey. younger. Like, yeah, right on. Loved it. I you would you would have to in a sketch comedy world, you'd have to get that hook, like you know when someone tells a bad joke and they're like take the, the the swing and get them off stage. That's what you'd have to do to get me off YTV watching it. Cause it was like Pokemon. I mean, yeah. when later, like later, later it was like, you know, Drake and Josh and iCarly, but like, man, the cartoons that they used to show, it was like, Brian, you got homework to do. I'm like, I'm watching a TV show. And they're like, okay, now it's a commercial. I'm like, no, 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 that's not a commercial. That's Carlos and sugar. I'm sticking around <laughs> for this as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, well, you probably appreciate this then. I found this. Uh, it's actually on my desk in my other room. Oh, nice. But this is like the legit, I think this is actually from before my time, but this is a gift I got to keep when I, when I left that place. So I have a little bit of, a little bit of it in my home right there. Awesome. Well, I mean, I, at least they let you keep some keepsakes right on the way out. Cause I, I can imagine yeah, if you had to choose things, I would have, I would have chosen like the YTV, the zone sign or be like, man, I want to pick 
certain outfits that we had and keep them. But or I would have just been like, can I can I keep Carlos and Sugar? They're like, those are people. You can't those keep are people. people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like I want I want those for my entertainment. And they'll be like, no, they have other jobs. I'm like, come on, please. <laughs> um, but how did you start with that? Because I, I read once you graduated, you went like right into YTV. Now you've been a big entertainment late night fan. We both like Conan. I'm not, I'm not a big Letterman guy just because I think it's a little bit not my generation, but like mm. I do like him. But Conan was my guy. Yes, Conan was my guy for sure. Still, like, still is. Like, I still think he's the funniest, the funniest yeah. guy uh, doing that type of show, and not even that type of show anymore. He's still, he's evolving it, right? Like yeah. that's important too. My brother got me into Letterman when I was a kid, so you know he used to he used to record Letterman on VHS because we couldn't stay up late. Right, yeah. so he would record it, and then I we just kind of watch it. I didn't get easily three quarters of it, but uh, whatever. That's that's kind of when I got hooked. Was when I was that young. I don't know. Before I started my TV, I was I was into a lot of stuff. Right, I wanted to be a performer in some capacity. Like I had been dancing since I was a kid, and I had been competitive dancer, and I had done it professionally in music videos and on in uh, stage shows. Actually, funny thing, I was listening to your podcast with the Ennis sisters. Oh, wow. Okay. And because I did a show with the Ennis sisters, one of my very first professional shows in downtown Toronto. And it was this Atlantic Canada culture show. It was called The Need Fire. And I was hired on to be like an Irish dancer. It was around the time that Riverdance was happening. Yeah. And like, I didn't, that's not a thing that I did, but I auditioned with my tap dancing. Like I was a tap dancer. And so the choreographer was like, I like, basically she was like, I like the cut of your jib essentially is what she said. She was like, you don't know what you're doing, but I like that you're doing it. So come I like your moxie kid. I like your moxie, yeah, basically. And yeah, that's where I met the Ennis sisters and a lot of actually um, very cool East Coast Canadian musicians. So I just thought it was kind of cool. When I was looking you up, when I was doing our, my Tinder date research, I saw that you had, uh, that you had interviewed them. So I had to, of course, take a listen because they're really great it's interesting that you said that but like explain to me how you ended up going to ytv like do they make you audition did you have to like send in a resume at this point or did you walk in through the door and was like hey i'm interested it's like how did you know that they were kind of hiring well i was in theater school so i was uh i was in theater school in toronto at the randolph academy it's called the randolph college for the arts now i think it's randolph academy for the performing arts and they ytv had been just auditioning at the schools. I think they were looking for people at comedy clubs and looking for people at theater schools. I think typically the idea was that they would hire someone who was, you know, that had a comedic background that was like a stand-up comic or an improv comic or whatever it was. Yeah. So there's me. I was like this musical theater kid and a dancer. But it just so happened the timing was right because everything that they had done in the audition that we had been asked to do in the audition was kind of stuff that we were working on in school, just the instincts of that sort of improv stuff. And so I auditioned once and got a call back and then I auditioned again. And that callback audition was with Shug. And then I had a meeting with the executive producer and she was like, you, you know, essentially she's like, you start Monday kind of thing. So I was like, amazing. I was in my last year at school when I was auditioning. You could only audition in your last term at that school at that time. I was in the middle of doing our, basically like learning our final performance musical that we were doing and did the auditions, got the callback, whatever. And then I started the day after grad. So oh, we right. had grad on like the Sunday or whatever, the weekend after, after that weekend, we grad on the Sunday and I started work on the Monday. So I was fortunate that way. But yeah, it wasn't like, 
I didn't know they were looking. You know, it wasn't that sort of thing where I was I was necessarily looking yeah. actively to be part of it. They were auditioning, and I was like, "Oh, I love YTV," because I was like you, except when I, I'm older than you. So <laughs> I was watching, you know, I was watching TJ Phil and all that stuff when I was a kid, and I was like, "Oh, YTV would be amazing." And yeah. also on top of that, like, you want to be a performer, and it's a job. You're like, someone wants to hire me for a job. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I'm doing it, and it was. You know, it turned into almost twenty years of like just the best job ever. I think it was like sixteen years or so that you, you were there, mm-hmm. and I, I was like, I was like double checking that. I'm like, is that true? Like sixteen years at like YTV? That's insane. But I, like, is, I'm yeah. sure there, I'm sure there are people that like that are older than me, that are younger than me, that go back to that time frame that they'll remember you with a certain co-host. Like, I, like I said, I remember you with Sugar just because I was very surprised. Like when you have like the Kanchung moment or like. You, someone tells you like a certain fact and you can't believe it. Like I, I remember sugar's voice is very distinctive, but I was mm-hmm. surprised and blown away when I found out like, Oh, she was also a voice of sailor moon. And it still to me shocks me when someone brings it up. I'm like, I know this, but it's still surprising to me. And then when you go back and on YouTube, you find old clips of you and sugar doing uh, like segments in between shows. I'm like, they're very natural at it. But now I can see like, as a kid, you're just like, Oh, these guys are great. Like, they must have just came up out of nowhere and just very talented. But you explain the performing arts background. It, it, it When you get older, you're like, oh, okay, so it's right up his alley. Of course, this is what be successful rather than someone like myself or a professional bowler coming in and being like, yeah, I'll, I'll go on YTV. And then they're like, can you can you talk in front of that camera? Oh, no, I, I can't do that. It's like, well, why are you here for? <laughs> <laughs> like, what did you think this was? Um, right. Why were some of your favorite, I guess, moments of YTV or favorable moments. Like when you look back, you're like, man, I can't believe I got to do this for this long. Yeah, well, that's one right there. Like, I can't believe I got to do this for this long. When I first started out, I basically asked questions like, well, how long did Pat do it for? Like, Pat was the guy before me. I was yeah. like, how long does it, I mean, how long do people do this for? And I know Phil had done it for a very long time. And I was like, oh, Pat maybe did it for three years. Okay, I'll do it for three. If I can, if they can keep me for three years, like that'll be great. And I'll figure out something else. But it just kept being awesome. Like it, it kept, it was like very hard to almost imagine doing something else because I also had an opportunity to do other things while I was still doing it. So it was a steady gig I got to do all the time. Plus I still got to be a dancer. So I was still a professional dancer. I was part of a tap dance company and I was dancing in movies and stuff. So that was one of the things, just really just being able to do it for so long. But yeah, every sort of era, for lack of a better term, has comes with its own amazing set of memories. Like Suge and I, like we're the OG duo, like we're the original team. And so that's that's always got like a real soft spot in my heart uh, for that era. Of course, and we just came up with so many fun concepts and did so many dumb things. And we're learning a lot together, like learning yeah. how to do this together. She had some experience before I did it, but you know, we were a great team in the sense that I think on camera we were good, but also in writing stuff, we clicked and so it, it worked really well um so that was always really fun later on it became obviously uh, there were tons of other great people that came through too that we felt similar as well but the thing that we were doing most recently that i think was one of the most rewarding and i felt so fortunate to be able to do was travel across canada with the show ever since i started we had been talking about this idea of like what if we did a, a cross canada road trip what if we did a cross canada road trip and we couldn't quite figure out how to make it happen. And then, you know, several years down the line, the team figured out how to make it happen. There was an appetite yeah. for it. So we ended up doing this 
had different names every summer, but it was essentially the zone summer road trip. And we would go to different spots in BC, over on the East Coast, a lot of Ontario, Alberta, basically touch almost every province and just find all the fun things there. Talk to very cool people there that are doing interesting things, learn some cool things about being in that city, that town or that province, and just kind of get an opportunity to see also I don't say, say like our impact, but get an opportunity to see what the fans... A, get a feel of like what they're taking out from the show. Like what Absolutely. things, like their yeah. aspects. Yeah, because yeah, uh, when you're in Toronto all the time, you do yeah. get an opportunity to see a lot of fans. And there's there's a certain little, you know, there's a, a world that you're living in. There's a bubble that you're living in. Um, so to be able to reach out beyond that and get face-to-face with people and see what their take is on the stuff that we're doing was actually very, very cool. I, I like how you mentioned that period, of course, like, you know, one of those achievements is 16 years of doing it. And when you said earlier, like timing is everything, you know, sometimes it's the right place, right time. Like I, I'm not taking anything away from to say this generation, because of course you can go on YouTube. Now there's influencers, there's like TikTokers. I'm not a big fan of all that, but it's just, I thought growing up in the nineties to early two thousands was just great. Just not even just in general, but like just for Canada itself, because you have YTV, you'd go mm-hmm. onto the family channel. The family channel had like their, just say two or three people that you'd see every so often, if it's not being plugged by like, you know, this program is brought to you by blah, blah, blah. But much music was a big thing. Like when you're talking about fans and interacting with fans, like I don't think I would have loved to go see, like be in Toronto. Now I'm what 29. So I would have been really young at this point, but you'd have like MMAVA or like much music video awards yeah, and outside yeah. just some people banging on the glass for much on demand. And I was just still like, I'd love to go back now and be a part of that. But like, that has to be crazy when you go by in in a building like YTV or even ET Canada and you still see maybe people outside being like, I know they're in there. It's like, I, I know they're doing something live. Like, let me just wave or let me just be yeah. a part of that. Cause I feel like, especially in COVID now, when you're watching sports and there's no fans, I can imagine when you're doing just say a much music or a YTV and you don't get that fan interaction, it kind of feels like, well, what are you really doing it for? Cause the fans kind of amp you up. Well, I mean, I know the team, right. That, that are doing it now and they're doing a phenomenal job, like holding down the fort and keeping all that spirit alive. But it was, I mean, to your point, the nineties and early two thousands was a really exciting time to be a fan of, you know, kind of local ish television, I guess yeah. you could say like Canadian television and also to be working in the industry. It was a super exciting time. It's still exciting now for many different yeah. reasons, but your particular point about that fan interaction, because that was the only way you could interact, right? Exactly. Yeah. That was an exciting thing to be a part of. Yeah, and I was I was a fan too of all that of the MMBAs, of much of Speakers Corner. Like that was sort of the template for a lot of what everybody else did, right? Like they, yeah. they charted a course for a lot of other people in uh, in broadcasting. It's kind of crazy when you think back of it, because like you don't. It's like one of those things where you take it for granted at the time, but like. I remember coming home from school on like a Monday. Cause I, again, I didn't stay up late to watch the video, much music video awards or anything of that nature, but you'd, you'd see them replay it, say at three o'clock or four 30 Newfoundland time. And you're just thinking like, okay, great. It's a, it's a much music video awards. They got Eminem, Britney Spears, whatever. And you're like, all right, not a big deal. But then you forget that they're literally in Toronto. They're literally performing outside on a stage where there's fans surrounding the whole area that are like, could live a block away, could have came from Burlington, Ottawa, just to see this spectacle. Mm-hmm. And like, I was just, you don't take it in as a child, but when you get older, you're like, 
I wish I was a little bit older so I could have taken in that experience. But I mean, you were you had to be in this area. Did you ever go to like a Much Music Video Awards? Were you ever in one of those like outside Much Music when say a, an act that you liked came and were like bang on the glass like oh my god? <laughs> Whenever anything was popping on the Queen Street, we'd be there. Yeah, yeah. Anytime something was happening there, we'd we'd be there. Whether we were there at the event or at, at an event after the event or taking yeah. part, it was just fun to, to take advantage of what was actually happening. You know what I mean? Like fun to be part of it. Just, yeah. Well, I was so young when I started. I was, I think 20 when I started, okay. something like that. So that was prime time for me to want to be involved in, in all those things and just be involved in what's exciting about being in the city, for sure. It's been 16 years. And I've read from doing a bit of research on YTV. It's like, like anything. So it's not just pinpointing on YTV, but you know, there comes a point whether the company says it or you decide it that you get to to leave. And when I was doing a bit of research with YTV, it was like there were some people that were have been there since maybe 93. And then mm-hmm. when they started doing like this whole shift, like just say it went from YTV zone to another name, they were like, yeah, you don't fit the the blend of what we want the zone to be. It's like, did you ever have to come across that path? Like now, not with management, but yourself from being there 16 years. Because again, if you start when you're 20, and just say you leave at, I don't know, it takes 35, 36, whenever you left, you grow, obviously, in that in that field. And were there points that you're kind of thinking like, do I really want to do this anymore? Or like, is it time to go? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. There would be moments, like I said in the beginning, I was like, well, I think I'll be here for about three years. Yeah. That, was the, that was the thing I thought I was going to do. And so not long after that, it was, there's always a part of your brain that goes, okay, well, what's the next thing? Like, where's, yeah. where's another opportunity? Where can I show my abilities? What can I be a part of? What's exciting? So I had the opportunity to do both things kind of concurrently for a while. For a while, almost the entire time I was there. If I wanted to do another project, I could. But I kept coming back to like, really enjoyed what I was doing. As, as corny as it sounds, and maybe it sounds corny to people, I don't, I don't know. But I would get comments from people quite a bit that would be one of two sides. It would be, you've been there forever. What are you going to do next? Yeah. And then the other one would be, you've been there since I was a kid. I don't ever want you to leave. And so it's nice to be able to take in both sides because you have to be critical, I think, of, of what you're doing, understand yeah. where your limitations are and maybe what, what your path is, try to find what your path is. But my path just kind of stayed there. And it was yeah. dope. <laughs> like, yeah. We did so much fun stuff, man. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. Every time I thought, ah, oh, I don't know how much more I can do someone was like, hey, what about this stupid fun idea? And I was like, yeah, I want to do that stupid fun idea. Let's do the stupid fun idea and let's keep yeah. doing it. And yeah. so it's, it's, I never thought about for myself, like the idea of having to bend and twist to stay current so that I could stay with YTV. Like it was never that thought. Yeah. I just kind of looked at it as, I'm just going to dive into whatever we're doing. I'm going to keep, they want me to be myself. Like that's the whole purpose of this thing. We also want yeah. kids to be themselves. So if I'm not being myself, I'm not being a genuine person. I'm not living the example that we want to show. And I was just fortunate to be able to be this kind of nerdy goof <laughs> for as long as I got to do it and have someone, you know, want to put me on TV for it, which is pretty great. When I look at, say, someone like a Rick Campanelli or a George Trompolopoulos who's on much music and you see them kind of evolve to the point where it's like when Rick first started being called Rick the 10 and like you could see him on like summer break wearing a backwards hat or like funky shorts. But then like 
it's like, okay, that's cool for a 20 year old. But like when you're 40 and it's like, okay, now you have a kid or like, that's, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't, but it's like almost like, ah, do you really want to be acting 20? Like there's nothing wrong with being 40 and acting 40. And I looked at like George Drombolopoulos when like the first time I seen him on, I think it was like much music and there's all the piercings and you know, the rock shirts. And as a kid, you're like, oh my God, like that's heavy metal. I'm scared. And then watching him on the hour and like just seeing the, the change, I was like, okay, so they're growing, they're evolving. They're more or less saying like, I could still do this, but I'm just taking my realm to another platform. And that's why I kind of felt like with you where it was like, I've done what I had to do at YTV. Like I reached out to kids. Now you guys are probably growing up with me. So I'm going to go to ET Canada where yes, I'm still going to do interviews. I'm still going to be the same Carlos, but it's almost like on a, a, maybe an adult platform compared to like a kid's platform. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're, okay. So, so the idea of evolution is this, is this what we're Yeah. Yeah. About? Like, like, yeah, basically. Cause like when I look at it and seeing all these people like evolve, like, when you're looking at him from much music's point of view or YTV, and it's almost like, it's like a graduate program in a way where it's almost like once they were at much music, they've done what they could at much. They've done what they could at YTV. It's almost like, okay, we've got our core audience that were with us since we were small. So now we're going to adapt and go to ET Canada or wherever they go. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is more for an adult audience. Like I don't imagine a five-year-old watching ET Canada. I could be wrong, but it's almost like, Hey, I'm going to stick with Carlos right where he goes. If he's going to ET Canada, I'm going to go because I've grown up with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like as he evolves, I evolve. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I think about your shows, target age demo and how that, how that relates to how you are on camera. Yeah. I can't speak to any of the guys that you mentioned before. Cause I'm also a fan of those guys. And I, I love yeah. watching them evolve and move on into the next things as well. But I don't think that at YTV, I was, we were, speaking to an age demo that was trying to be of the moment okay, or, or particularly cool. I, I think I was fortunate in that way, because if I was, if I had been speaking specifically to an audience that was, let's say 13 to 16 or 15 and older or whatever it is, the way trends and things move and shift so quickly, you can very quickly not be in the middle of it. Yeah. Right. Like you could just, if you're, if you're trying to be the cool guy forever, there's a point in time where you turn back and you realize you haven't been the cool guy for like 20 years. I, we weren't trying to be a cool thing. We were talking to our audience and just we're like, whatever's clever, we're just doing it. Whatever's yeah. fun and stupid, we're just doing it. I mean, luckily for me, I could just be fun and stupid for a very long time. I could probably be 65 and still be fun and stupid, <laughs> you know, and that might me not look exactly the same way. Be that six flags are in those commercials. <laughs> right. Yeah. He looks like, oh my God, maybe it is me. Maybe we discover time travel and that's me from the future. And I went back in time to do Six Flags ads. Yeah, what a great get. What a, what a good gig for me in the future. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to, to be contrary to anything that you're saying. I just think that with regards to what we were doing, I know for the hosts, for a lot of them, it was like, this is my choice. Now I want to go do something different. I felt like I've fulfilled what I need to fulfill in this and now I want to go do something different. I didn't get to a point where I thought, this is the upper limit of everything I ever want to do with YTV. I'm completely done with it. Like I didn't have that thought. Even even on the day that I was going, I was working YTV and ET Canada at the same time because I yeah. had been um, I've been approached to join the team at ET Canada, and I th- I felt very fortunate for that. And I thought, what a great next step. To your point again, like evolution, what a great yeah. next step for me to be able to do. I've I've honed a bunch of skills here at YTV that I think are applicable to what I could do at ET Canada. It gives me an opportunity to stretch a little bit and and tackle some new, some different content. And I still get to be part of a really cool 
team and family at YTV. And so I had to do both for a while. And eventually it was like, all right, now I'm not going to do the YTV thing anymore. I'm going to go and completely board this ship over here and have fun and be less, maybe appear less dumb, but still yeah. have fun with this show and be able to take with me a lot of the skills I learned over like, uh, like the 16 years at the last one. It's not really, I guess, a big transition because you're still doing interviews with like movie stars, musicians. It's just almost like a different, I guess, channel or platform, really. What kind of came across your mind to finally say, I'm done with YTV, I'm going to ET Canada? I know you kind of went into it, but where was the breaking point where you're like, ET Canada strictly now? I'm honestly trying to recall. Maybe maybe it was one day where you're just still like, you know what? I don't want to get, I don't want to. I don't want to get gushed with green goo anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I don't, you don't want me to lie down on a skateboard with a helmet yeah. on and, and try to get a, yeah. try to get a beach ball into a bed. No, yeah. um, I, I don't know. I honestly think it was just, it was just such a smooth transition. It really was yeah. just like, I'm going to do less and less of this now at YTV. The goal was always when I first joined ET Canada was I would be with them full yeah. time. And it was just like one year of doing both. And then when that time is up, the time is up. And that was yeah. the end of it. And so there's a, there's a thing that I often say when, when big changes and transition happens. And I'm, I say like, how did you expect this to end? What did you yeah. picture in your head for the way this was going to finish? And I use that kind of as a way to make real life transitions, real difficult endings, um, yeah. maybe not as difficult, just to put those things into perspective. And I had, a picture in my head of what my last show would be like and what my last day would be like. And I thought, that's the only way I can do my last show. That's the only way. And it's it's going to be a mirror of the first day. It'll be a mirror yeah. of the day that I started. But then when life kicked in and I got to my last day, I loved my last day. I was bawling like a baby afterwards. Yeah. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything like I had pictured it was going to be, but it was just like, it, it, I don't know. It just It just felt sad and bittersweet and great and all those things so i don't know if that answered any of your questions at all no that's no, just it, me telling I mean, the, the sappy story yeah, yeah no no it's fair because i kind of like how you went into like the sappy story because i look at it from the standpoint of i graduated for i graduated from carlton university with communications i love that university like mm -hmm. even when i go back to ottawa i like to go back on the campus and the first few years when you graduate you're like oh great like i'm an alumni this is cool but then like when you get to like the fifth or sixth year after you graduate and then you see new faces come in, you're like, I don't know if I really belong here anymore. It's like almost like I, I feel like I'm a little bit too old for this, but and I'm not saying anything like you're too old for anything. Um, that's just how I felt at the time. But, mm. you know, you, you've you've been in this place for so long with the YTV and then you see people leave like when Sugar leaves in 2007. Of course, that's a like a close friend, someone that you've mm -hmm. got great chemistry with someone else comes in and then they leave and like you feel like you're like the lone survivor or like the last person left so there's like to me it's almost like great i'm like the longest lasting person here there's like a bit of a stroke to it like uh, a great accomplishment and then there's also another part of you like self-critical i guess where it's like well why are you staying here like why don't you move on to <laughs> like do you ever have those moments when you see other people come and go where you're kind of like i get it like from your answer it sounds like you love doing it and it's it's you just love doing it, whatever. But have you had those kind of sit down moments where you're like, okay, so I've been here this long. I've seen these people come and go. Like what's next for me? Yeah, no, of course I did. Yeah. I sat there for sure. But it was, it, I don't know. I think I just see it differently. 
there was a period of time when I might have had those thoughts that were a bit more critical, but they didn't stick around for very long. Yeah. We were just well, good for you, Carlos. Mine stay with me forever. I go to bed <laughs> and still. <laughs> uh, well, it, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say to that. I mean, it just, um, we're just so focused on what we were doing. I keep saying we, because it was the team of us, right? Like yeah. I was a host there. I was just one part of everything that we did. And, yeah. you know, whether it was myself and Chug or myself and Suki or anyone else that I was working with at the time, we're two parts of a big team of people that are always coming yeah. and going. Not everybody gets to stick around, even producers or writers for a very long time. But I don't know, man, I just kind of stayed focused in on what we were doing. And it was yeah. like, what's because the other thing was we're doing it every single day. It's like, here's yeah. a show that we got to do every single day and put together some goofy stuff and then also plan for the next two weeks in advance and plan for the next month in advance and, and try to brainstorm some bigger picture things like live concert shows and all the stuff that we ended up doing. So all that to say, like it was, if you were only watching from a certain period of time, because you're yeah. only, you know, six, seven, eight, nine for those years of your life, right? Yeah. You're only watching for that period of time. You go, wow, I'm enjoying what I'm watching right now. You leave, it's out of your headspace. You grow up a little bit, you turn back and you go, whoa, that thing is still going on with that same dude. What's going on there? Yeah. But the people that are six, seven, eight, nine that are watching are like, I'm liking what I'm watching right now. This is some goofy yeah. stuff. And then the people that are making it, like we were going, okay, this is what we're doing every every day in this stage. Then it moved on to the next sort of era, like I was talking about. And the show shifts a little bit. Our focus shifts a little bit. The way we do things changes. There are new challenges. And then we decide we want to try and do different things. So we did concert shows, we did live interview shows, we did all these different things that we had that weren't all the same thing. So I think that's maybe part of it that helps with the answer to this is that though it was like, here's the same gig I'm doing all the time, there are new challenges all the time to overcome within this particular gig and new responsibilities and new things to yeah. learn. So outwardly facing, yeah, it's, it's 16 years of being on that show. You put write that down on paper. But the show was not the same show when I left. For 16 years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With ET Canada, like, how have you found, I guess, that transition? And I, I know you've been there now for a while, but like, mm -hmm. how have you found that? What were some of, I guess, your favorite moments or memories with ET Canada? It sounds like I'm like basically going like, Carlos is saying goodbye to ET Canada, but like, he's not. But like some of your favorite moments- Do you moments know something I don't? Do you know something I don't? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, like, you know, I got the PR, but at least didn't they send it to this, you? Didn't they send it to you? No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> With some interviews, it's really awkward, right? Like when you meet your idol or someone that you wanted to interview and you're like, okay, how do I, how do I handle this? I can't be a total fan, but have you had those moments? Man, I get into like work mode. The people that would make me have that weird being like a, like, do it like a fangirl moment kind of thing, yeah. so to speak, um, I've met them. This is Jackie Chan, and that, this is way back in YTV. I interviewed him for the first time, so I got that out of my system when I interviewed him yeah. when I was on YTV. And it's one of those things where you've only got four minutes with someone, but you want to talk about their entire oh, yeah. like catalog of work in the four <laughs> minutes that they're supposed to be talking about the Karate Kid, you know. But it doesn't happen to me often where I get kind of you know sidelined away. That's not the right word, but kind of taken aback by the by the person that I'm interviewing. But at this point, with all the interviews that we do. There's a volume of them. I'm doing three a day, perhaps even even now in uh, during COVID. It just becomes a it's the process of like who am I going to be interviewing? What story do we want to get? What are the questions that we want to ask? Let's let's have a good interview, and then let's put a good story together. And it's not until after the fact, often that I'll go, oh yeah, hey, I interviewed that person. 
Like I'll yeah, be watching yeah. a movie and I'll go, have I ever, like someone will ask, hey, have you ever interviewed so-and-so? I'm like, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not entirely sure because there are just so many of them. That's not to say that things aren't memorable for sure. When I first started, I think one of the coolest things was just being on the set and like getting to do a show with Cheryl and with Sangeeta and with Roz. Like that was awesome because I hadn't, I think until the time that I had been sort of presented with the idea that I could be working for ET Canada, it hadn't really crossed my mind that, that I'm going to go work with these people. So it was cool to be able to do that. One of the weirdest kind of like, I don't know, weird, but you know, you said you're not five years old and watching Entertainment Tonight Canada, but I was five years old. I was watching Entertainment Tonight. Oh yeah, like, oh yeah. You were, you were you just know? you were a big fan of late night TV. I I know that. <laughs> right, but but like I I remember being a kid and watching like John Tesh and Mary Hart when I was a kid because you would just sit like there's no YouTube. You don't get a chance to watch what you want on your own. Yeah, like we only had one TV in the house, so we just watched whatever my parents wanted to watch. And so if they were watching that show, that's what I was watching. And so I had a chance to interview. John Tesh actually a couple of years ago, which was like, it's not really like a, a starstruck moment, but it felt like a really cool kind of like full circle thing. I'm like, yeah. I totally remember watching this show. And it didn't, it didn't strike me when I was a kid. I was like, this is my future. It wasn't anything like that. It was like, oh, I, I remember watching this show. And when I got to interview him and he was very complimentary after the interview, I was like, this is wild. Like what a cool, what a cool experience to be able to have when you're saying like a cool experience to have and you don't think you're ever going to like, you, you didn't think of it at the time. Like no one's sitting at home. Maybe I was, but no one else was sitting at home at like five or six going like, I'm interviewing this person one day. Like my, I know on your bucket list, I think you said James Corden is one person that you would love to interview. Like I would like to interview Conan O'Brien for mine. That was like oh, my, sure. kind of my bucket list of people. But it's interesting because like every interview, like yourself included, when you get to interview people that you grew up watching or you listen to their music, you go back later and you're like, I can't believe I got to interview that person. Like for me, the first ever interview that I got to do was like Jimmy Rankin. And the funny thing is I was late to the interview <laughs> and I was like, great way to start off your first podcast episode, be late to your own interview. And uh, I was, I remember when we were younger, uh, my brother had to go to BC to move. So from Newfoundland to BC and we went in a small car. And as soon as we got across Newfoundland to Nova Scotia, the first two songs I remember coming off on the ferry was like Tim McGraw, and Jimmy Rankin, I was like, oh, pure East Coast. Of course, you're going to play Jimmy Rankin when you get in Nova Scotia as a radio station. But I remember telling him that. And I just remember that memory. And I was like, imagine if you had to tell me at like 12 or like 13, whatever, how old I was. You know, in like 10 years, you're going to interview Jimmy Rankin and you're going to tell, talk about this on that episode. I would have been like, yeah, whatever, buddy. But yeah, like bringing it full circle, like what you said. Yeah. It's like you get that whole moment of like, I remember watching this person when I was growing up and now I get to interview them it's kind of like a gung-ho starstruck moment, but at the same point, you're like, all right, like they're a person, like I'm a person, like let's just have yeah, an interview. For sure. and, well, yeah. It, it all, I think it comes down a lot to what you enjoyed when you were growing up, when you were most impressionable, you know, what was, what was that thing that really spoke to you? So when you were a teenager, yeah. who were you a big fan of? When you were a kid, like who were you a big fan of? And so when you get a chance to talk to that person or meet that person, that's when you're kind of bit, I mean, you just mentioned Conan O'Brien. I hadn't even thought about the idea of interviewing Conan O'Brien. You just mentioned it and I was like, oh yeah, maybe that would be the one. Like maybe that would be one where I'd be like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say here. <laughs> if, like, if, if you interview Conan O'Brien and I get to watch it, I'll be like, I'll be like that mother Carlos gets the interview. <laughs> that's right. And you know what we'll, what we'll do the interview? A bowling alley. And I'll, oh, I'll, you, oh, I'll you score son. a perfect game against Conan <laughs> O'Brien. Yeah, and but I'll have when to I'm, watch it on TV, and you, that's just rubbing <laughs> in my face. No, 
No, I got I did get a chance to interview some some uh, some heroes like that, but it was when I was growing up, I was so into you know Jackie Chan like action movies, right? And comic books and all those sorts of like kind of nerdy stuff. So for me, the biggest sort of Star Trek moments were those people that I don't know that a lot of people that maybe are just fans of movies might be starstruck by. Like when I, I interviewed Frank Miller a long time ago and Frank yeah. Miller, of course, Dark Knight, right? And that to me was massive. That was crazy to me that I got to interview Frank Miller. And again, I was young at the time. I was like 23 or something like that. <laughs> but that was a wild one for me. And we grew up listening to Weird Al Yankovic. I got to interview Weird Al Yankovic and I was like, this is crazy, like that sort of thing. But it's it's weird, like I'm a weird person. So my influences are all really weird. And yeah. when I got to interview weird people, I, that's, that's when I was like, well, this, my life is crazy right now. Do you remember, I guess, because of course, doing so many interviews, you get better in time. But do you remember, mm. like, I guess your most awkward one? Like, because I look at sometimes you'll listen to an interview after you've done it, or once it's done, you're like, oh, man, that interview didn't go well. And then afterwards, you're like, okay, it wasn't as bad as what I thought. But have you ever had an awkward, memorable interview where you're kind of like, oh, man, like, what's happened here? Like, what did I do? <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, those interviews where you go, oh man, like I could have done better. Those actually happen all the time, at least for me. Yeah. yeah and, and they might, they might turn out on TV or, or on our extended interviews on YouTube and they might look like a really good interview, but in the moment I might not have gotten what I was wanting to get out of it. Or I might've said something that I thought felt a little bit awkward. I had a moment in the beginning of uh, COVID, it was an animated movie and Maya Rudolph was in it. And so was, uh, oh man, People in the comments are going to be like, yeah, because I, I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's amazing and he's hilarious. And so I was interviewing them for this movie and Zoom was already awkward, right? Like it was, it was like, we just didn't know exactly how to do this thing at the time. And when we signed off and was like, anyways, guys, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was great. My kids are going to love it. Um, uh, great talking to you. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. And then I went, I just told them I loved them. I said, I, I said, I love you guys. Like I was talking to my family. Like I was talking to my family over a FaceTime. Okay, love you. I'll see you later. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and I know they heard it because their faces both went. Yeah. <laughs> when I said it, I was like, oh, geez. I gotta figure this thing out. So, I mean, that was one recently. Every day there's something that's gonna go wrong, gonna go a little bit left and you just gotta make the best of it. It's it, Things will rarely go perfectly or exactly the way that you planned it or, or wanted it to go. So they'll, if you hold on too tight to an idea of something, even when you're yeah. going into an interview, you might lose the opportunity for something better to come out that you didn't expect, right? So you got to yeah. kind of roll with things. Now, of course, we're in like we're in COVID. Now we're all in different layers layers of COVID. I feel in Newfoundland we're a little bit more relaxed. Tell me, how have you been dealing with? I guess COVID. Like, of course, you have I believe two children as well. Yeah, yeah. And like, how, how are you handling all this in COVID? Because I know in Ontario. It's almost like, okay, you can't, you can't do this, but you can do this. You can't do that, but you can do this. It's almost like, how is your mindset? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. For a while, trying to keep up with what you could and couldn't do was sort of like a, a futile exercise because things would change. My wife and I kind of decided, okay, if we're in lockdown, it just means we're in lockdown. We're going to hunker down more than pretty much anybody else that, that we know. And maybe that's not even true, but maybe a lot of people took this attitude as well. But we just thought, we're just going to be here in this house. We like spending time together. The kids like being here. So we're just gonna make the best out of what we've got right here and not trying to think about all the things that we're missing because yeah. if we can stick tight to what we're doing, we're gonna get back to those things hopefully sooner than later. And it'll depend on everybody, of course, but 
we have to be able to be okay with where we are now. Because if we're constantly thinking about the things that we can't do, we're not going to be able to be happy. I mean, we're not going to be satisfied. So, you know, the kids have been in virtual school since spring of last year, and that's what they're accustomed to. And like, my daughter would like to go back to a regular school. My son could probably do this forever. Like he digs, he, he digs it. Like he's in his, his room. It's like his own office. He gets to, he had, almost has his own hours. Like it's wild. Yeah. He go on recess. He gets to come out and grab, grab his own snack for recess, go out in the backyard, play for a bit and then go back to class. Like that's the way that we've been looking at it is just trying to be, take what we've got and make the best out of everything that we've got right now. And then when we can open up to other things, we'll do that too if we try to rush it or be too like hold on too much to the idea of what life was like two years ago, it's yeah. going to be much, much harder. And one of the bonuses for me is that again, like my lifestyle before this was not being here. Yeah. Right. And so what's new for us is us actually getting to spend every day together because we, my time with them before this was like evenings and some weekends. Yeah. And and a lot of the time I'd be gone for weekends at a time, two weeks at a time, a month at a time. Right. So for us to be here, I think there's it's funny to say that there's a there was a bit of a novelty in that, like dad's around. Yeah. Um, but also we've I don't know, we just have been enjoying our time together. I think that's the I don't have any sort of answers, but that's the way that we no, no. Been, I, know, I, I like it. to think I, I like to think mm -hmm. of it as like not to like make fun of it, because I know COVID's a, a big deal, but I like to think of it as like the perfect dog life if you're like a stay-at-home dog and like when your parents like when, like when your parents leave in the morning for you're sure. like great it's like you guys are all leaving me today now i gotta stay here for like six and seven hours and kind of hold in my piss and then yeah, now dogs, it's almost like the parents are always there <laughs> dogs love it cats hate it that's what it is man dogs are like cats i can't like, believe you're home all day and then the yeah. cat is like you're home all day 100 <laughs> percent. that's exactly yeah. it and uh, I don't know, we're dog people. Do they ever see you, I guess, on TV? Like, I know they're still young, but do you ever worry or like, I guess not worry, but do you ever think that they're going to go back into the vault on like YouTube and see old clips of you and like either taunt you or be like, oh my God, that's really cool, dad. Or do you think they're going to be like, can't believe you did that, dad. God. <laughs> I think I'm prepared for it. Having having done it for as long as I did and having like the, um, having Twitter for as long as I've had or, or meeting kids in person that were maybe to put it kind of like not appreciative of YTV. Like I've yeah. had a lot of, a lot of kids say a lot of awful things to me. So yeah. I don't know, maybe hearing it from my own kids would hurt a bit more, but I think I feel like I'm prepared. I feel like I'm yeah. prepared for it. I, I like how you brought up Twitter. Cause I want to ask you this. Cause a lot of people use their Twitter handle of like their first name, last name or a combination. Like mm -hmm. what is with your Twitter handle? What is, what is that? Well, which I've, I have the Carlos B, which is the one I use on Twitter. Yeah, uh, Instagram. It's yeah, and that's like my the more professional one, I guess. Yeah, Losbot is the other one that I use. Yeah, like what, what? What's with that one? What? Why the name? It's literally it's just a holdover from an in joke with a friend. Oh really? Stuck. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, we're, we're keeping that. That's what works. And we've talked about changing it here and there, but enough people have been like, well, yeah, I mean, it works, and you've been using it for so long, so whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Let's just keep it. Do you find now with social media when people like kind of reach out to you? Cause we, we kind of discussed it earlier. It's like the only time back in the day for someone to contact you would be like, you know, either see you in person or send mail to YTV and hope it gets in your hand and then wait. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you find it now weird? Like when old, like my like crowd, like myself or younger crowd come up to you and say, 
I seen you on this or I like you on this or they're brave. Well, I shouldn't say maybe not as brave, but tweet you and be like, I can't, I hated you on YTV, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do you like get all this? And you're like, man, how do you, how do you handle all that? The best one I ever got was, I think it was on Twitter and I was still on YTV and someone, someone had been like, Oh, Carlos is on YTV. Or we're watching big fun movies. Oh, great. We're going to watch Space Jam or something like some movie that we would show on big fun movies. Yes. And like the quality of those movies ranges, right? Like some of them yeah. are great and some of them are whatever, not so great. It was in a conversation to his friends. And one of his friends had had like made a joke about how he was, how he'd put me in the comment or he'd, he'd added me in the, in his comment. And so I basically I, I replied to them because he was kind of like, he was negative, yeah. right? Like he was being yeah, negative yeah. about what he was saying about me and me being at YTV. Yeah, yeah. That. And when I replied to it, I was like, well, I think it's funny that a grown man is sitting there watching Space Chimps. And he, whoa, whoa, yo, Carlos. Whoa, I can't believe you actually replied. And the conversation spun yeah. from that into, because they were in Calgary. And so they, yeah. it ended on, if ever you're in Calgary, come by and yeah. we'll hang out. And I was like, 100%. Like if, if, if I'm ever in Calgary, we will watch space ships together and i'll bring i'll bring the doritos and let's hang out and watch this movie together and that's what we end on and then i hope i'm remembering this right because i feel like i have this memory but tiff a few years later i met a couple of those guys because they were in line for a movie oh wow and they had been like hey carlos we, we were the guys that added you about whatever space chimps and i was like oh well like, I mean, it's nice to finally meet you guys. We still have to watch a movie together, but maybe we'll watch one a tip or whatever. Yeah. It ended up happening, but it was one of those moments where, and it's not really rare, where someone really reaches out because they, I don't know, they're, they, they're clever. They're clever yeah. and they think of themselves as clever and they think of themselves as funny. And they might not think of you yeah. as a human being. You're a, uh, some, you're a target or whatever it is you yeah. are. And when you get a chance to actually just like meet that person, then like everything's kind of cool. Yeah. That's, and that's happened a bunch of times. And that's great. Yeah. Like, do you find that with social media? Cause I guess you get both the, the good and the bad, like you said, but do you get, and I hope it's not too, uh, I don't want to get too personal with it, but of course, you know, everyone is talking somewhat about say racism. Uh, sometimes you get like these tweets or messages where it's like, it's out of line, obviously, but like, do you get those and how do you respond to those ones? If someone's targeting me in that way, you know, when it comes to people being negative towards you, but actually like with that intent, not, not the intent yeah. of necessarily like making a mistake or just wanting to get your attention or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't like to wade into it. I don't like to wade into negativity. If, if there's a constructive conversation that can be had about something, yeah. then like, then we'll talk about it. More often than not, when I do reply to something, um, we'll talk it through and it ends up, oh, we're actually just really cool. I have had quite a few, yeah. um, I don't know, recently where I've just sort of seen someone might at me in a comment where they're actually being offensive. Like where they're yeah. actually being like, I hate this yeah. type of people. Yeah. And like, I'm, I happen to be that type of person or whatever. But it's like, you don't want to give that thing oxygen. You don't want to, yeah. you don't want to feed that fire and give it oxygen. We can talk, sometimes you can talk to people and it just, and it doesn't get through. You know, sometimes you can have try and have conversation with someone about points of view and why some things might be important to look at again, and they're maybe not ready at the time. So if it's if it's writing on the bathroom wall and it's meant to be negative for the sake of being negative, I'm I'm I think I'm a bit different maybe in your experience because if if someone's commenting something positive, 
I do try to respond to that. Like I like to yeah. feed that a little bit more than the other one. Carlos, our last question, the biggest question ever on this podcast. You've done a lot of things in your career. If sure. you had to do one thing again, it would be, would you rather dangle from the CN Tower? Yeah. Would you rather bobsled down the Olympic track? Mm. Uh, hop in a cage with a 700 pound tiger or do mm. another interview with Tobin tonight? <laughs> <laughs> well, the last two are basically the same. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Ruthless. Yeah. And this and this has been very similar to the thrill of going down a uh, bobsled in in Calgary, you know. I mean, I think it's a tie between those two, between uh, Tobin tonight and and bobsledding in Calgary. If we could if somehow combine them, I mean, the real thing what we got to figure out here is how do we do an interview while going down an actual bobsled track? Challenge that's, accepted. That's the question. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Carlos for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thank you for listening, and good night. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.